Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa idea in the 21st century. Be kind, work hard, have fun, entertain yourself, and be a hero to your 15-year-old self. In this episode of the Iowa Idea podcast, I sit down with Dave Hill. Dave is a comedian, writer, musician, actor, radio host, and man about town, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but now living in New York City. He is the author of three books, Tasteful Nudes, Dave Hill Doesn't Live Here Anymore, and his most recent, Parking the Moose, which is available in softcover next month. He has written for the New York Times, GQ, Salon, the Paris Review, McSweeney's, the New York Observer, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Vice, Guitar World, and a bunch of other places. Comedy legend Dick Cavett called Dave, quote, a major figure among American comic writers, past and present, end quote which is pretty much the coolest thing that's ever happened as far as Dave's concerned. Dave has appeared on such TV shows as Inside Amy Schumer, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. He's hosted for HBO and Cinemax and performed live comedy around the world. He hosts the goddamn Dave Hill Show on WFMU radio station in Jersey City every Monday night. Dave is a frequent contributor to public radio's This American Life. He's also a musician who currently sings and plays guitar in the psych garage rock band Painted Doll the extremely extreme Norwegian black metal band Witch Taint, and the power pop band Valley Lodge, whose song Go is the theme for HBO's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Dave and I talked about his approach to various creative endeavors. From a design perspective, I really appreciated how context matters for each medium he's working in and how Dave, will, Dave likes to think of scenarios involving fictional bands to help him write new material. I was also impressed with the number of collaborators Dave involves in his projects and how he strives to create a genuine moment on stage when he blends comedy and music. A quick note about language, as Alex Deason described in episode one of our podcast regarding curse words, Iowa Writers Workshop instructor Ethan Kanan said, well-placed curse words are like a cherry on a Sunday. Well, listeners, there's a few cherries in this episode, so be warned. Dave was very generous when my nerves got the best of me and I failed to remember the difference between death metal and black metal. We also exchanged stories about Husker Du, Cheap Trick, Neil Hamburger, and our love of hockey, including the subgenre of hockey player socks. Hope that we can get Dave to Iowa City for a show at the mill or to enjoy Mission Creek in the not-too-distant future. I want to thank Dave for joining me for this discussion, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks, Dave. Uh, really appreciate you joining the Iowa Idea podcast. If you don't mind, uh, for me and uh, for the listeners, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I am from 
sunny Cleveland, Ohio, originally. I live in New York normally, but I'm hiding out in the in sort of a tiny little town in northeastern Ohio, about 50 minutes from Cleveland right now, while uh, until <laughs> until something happens. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I'm a comedian, um, writer, musician, actor when they let me, and. Uh, whatever other trouble I can get up to. Those are my four main areas, I guess. Thanks. And with, with all those areas, is there, is there a preference on what you like to do most music, comedy, acting, writing? I mean, there's, there's different things I like about all of them. I mean, uh, I like doing all of them. I mean, like, I don't know, I guess the comedy, I, I don't know what my favorite is. I mean, probably there's things I like and hate about all of them. But I, the thing I like about comedy is that, you know, it's more at least performing it live. Performing it live, I hate the idea of it always, except when it's ha happening. Um, and and then I really like it because it's, you know, not you, it's really impossible to think about anything else. Um, and it also has afforded me the opportunity to, you know, see a lot of the world and hopefully see more when this is over. But, you know, I kind of use it to to go places that I might not normally jump on a plane and go to, you know, Krakow or Budapest or whatever, you know, kind of like right. expand my just try it really that's i mean that's kind of what i'm i just like to travel and see what's going on so i kind of use it as my ruse then i i, I travel a little bit with music but not as much with the uh you you had a new comedy album come out recently mm -hmm. uh, and were you were you scheduled to tour to support that uh yeah i mean i had some stuff coming up yeah i mean let's think yeah, I had, I was right or in March. I was supposed to go to, supposed to do five. When did the record come out? It came out in April though, didn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was supposed to go, I was supposed to go to, I had five nights in Oslo doing stand-up and then I was supposed to be in Krakow one night and then three nights in the Czech Republic and then three nights in London. And so I was super bummed about that not happening and then I'm supposed to be in atlanta this saturday just as an example yeah there's yeah. plenty of stuff plenty of stuff gigs canceled yes. tons of money lost and what are you gonna do but you know that's everybody who wants yeah. to leave the house <laughs> <laughs> right right if you don't mind can you walk me through the process kind of from a a, a creative and production side even just producing a comedy album from from the bits, what you decide to get on there, and then even getting it out to the public. Well, the record, the, mo the most recent one, Pride of Cleveland, which is out now on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. Um, that one, you know, it's, it's my second one, and uh, it's one that I really wanted to mix, you know, because I, I do regular stand-up, but then as a musician, you know, I started any shows I was doing that would have a house band that it was always fun to bring the guitar with me and kind of have them 
sit in with me while I did comedy and, and then, you know, I play guitar with that, you know, to tell my jokes and, and I would do it on like Tom Papa's come to Papa show, which is on Sirius, you know, I've, I've been doing it on live from here with Chris Teeley and Wesley Stace's cabinet of wonders. And, you know, I play with Rhett Miller yeah. a lot. So it kind of, it's always fun to me to combine music and comedy both as you know it's a way to just leave the house once instead of twice <laughs> which is kind of nice and then um you know there's like advantages to it because when you're playing a little guitar you, you and you play guitar solos in between you only need half as many jokes really because you're you know it's kind of cheating but then you know there's elements of you know, without like analyzing what I'm doing too much, there's elements of, you know, I yell at the band a lot. And it's, which is really fun, especially when, uh, oh, thank you. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm doing a thing. I'm um, sorry. No, that's all right. Um, do you, sorry, just on the band thing, cause, uh, and for, and for folks listening, uh, I, I absolutely loved the album. I thought it was oh, great. Oh, thank you. Uh, and, uh, the, <laughs> the guitar center bit is, I, I was crying listening, listening to your guitar center bit. Uh, oh, thank you. But the band also, I, the interaction with the band, uh, a couple, are those people you already know, or is that, is it literally a house band at the venue you're going to? Band, as long as you guys are out here, you might as well sit in with <laughs> Give me a, give me like kind of a. A vamp, like a vamp and B. Like a... See if you can keep up. All right, calm, just drummer, calm down. I didn't say to go crazy. Bass player, I don't remember telling you anything about taking that thing for a walk either. Keyboard player, I have no problem with you just yet. Sometimes it's a it's a bit of both. I mean, those guys I played with a bunch, but um, so they kind of know how to go how to roll about with it. it. But you know, the general rule is to like not practice with the band. So you you know, so no one can you know because you want to have genuine moments of you gotta get. I have to have a reason to yell at them, you know, so we kind of have to, <laughs> they have, you know, so what you hear is like, they're genuinely surprising me by what they're doing and stuff, you know? And so, but, uh, but a lot of times it happens so fast, you know, within a, with the band, like, you know, with Chris Teeley's band on live from here, you know, the, the band is always changing, um, you know, who's in the band, and it's always, you know, world-class sharpshooter guys uh, and girls. Um, and, and so there isn't a lot of time to really, you know, so I'll usually kind of have a quick chat. And because um, sometimes, you know, I'll forget, like in the case of like the band that I had on the record, um, Adam Gold, David Nagler, and, and Eddie Carlson, they are often, or usually the band 
on Wesley Stasis, uh, Cabinet of Wonders. So I've done it with yeah. them a lot, but like, uh, you know, the the drummer sw- swaps out on that show to, to either Adam or Patrick Berkeley, a buddy of mine. And um, I think maybe the first time Adam did it, I forgot to tell him that I was going to yell at him. And he thought I was genuinely like frustrated with what he was doing, you know? So, so I've, I've, I don't know. I think it was him that this happened with, where they're yeah. like, why was that guy yelling at me? I thought I was good. And um, so I kind of make a point of uh, at least checking in and letting everyone know kind of what's going to happen. Just, just cause I would feel bad if someone genuinely thought I <laughs> thought they sucked or whatever, yeah. you know, cause obviously as part of the joke is I'm yelling, right. at, yelling at really talented people. <laughs> um, yeah. The, and where, where do the bits start for you? I just thinking about with your, your writing. Uh, cause I, I very much appreciate your, your, your style in longer form. Uh, oh, thank and, you your humor where where does do you like do you keep a journal do you ah that's funny or do you just start start riffing on stuff uh i don't i mean i wish i i i don't really keep a journal i keep like little notes um on my phone which is a really dumb way to go about it because you can just lose it um but i tend to uh i tend to um Yeah, I just make little notes and I just get out and work stuff out on stage. And, you know, I think about it a lot, like when I'm out with the dog or when I go running, I think about stuff a lot. Then that's when I really think through and imagine the performance and imagine being on stage because it's sort of different performing and writing for being on stage as opposed to like my books. You know, like with my first book, there was like a thing where I just tried to take this thing I'd been doing on stage and basically transcribe it and put it in for the book and it didn't work. And that wasn't the nudist cruise, was it? No, that was (laughs) the nudist cruise was something I did for uh, a public radio show, but it was like, I, the the host was Faith Saley, and I apologize that I can't remember the name of the show right now that it was for. Yeah. Though uh, it'll come to me as soon as we're done. Um, <laughs> but I did it for for that, and and then I ended up writing about it for the book. And then there were things like I think in the second book, Dave Hill doesn't live here anymore. I did a thing on This American Life. There was a couple. I think there was a thing in the first book that I did on This American Life, you know, that it was basically me talking to Ira Glass. And then for the book, I had to, like, kind of write. Though when I was doing it with Ira, it was just us bullshitting, you know. It wasn't written at all. I mean, he basically shaped what you, as as he always does, as they always do, um, what you hear on the, the episode was the new boss, which is a long, God, it was a long time ago. But that, yeah. So then I kind of rewrote that for the book, but yeah, you kind of have to change at least for me. Like it's a little different. The, what I'm going to say on stage or in conversation versus on the page, you know, cause I, I think I talk in a certain way that annoys the crap out of me when I, 
actually see it on the page. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, but it's just kind of going out and, you know, hammering away at it. Like the most recent time I did live from, or yeah, live from here and decided a Christmas episode in December. And there's this bit that I had had about the 12 days of Christmas, like kind of imag imagining where yeah. that came from. And I had started it like a year prior. I was kind of messing around with it on stage in New York and totally, I never, it was just made up every time. And it was just kind of crazy. And I never got to finish it because it was just, I had to get off stage, you know? So, um, and it could potentially be an hour long thing if I wanted it to, because you're just kind of rambling stream of consciousness. And then, and then I was like in November, I was on tour this past November. Well, what happened? I think sometime, sometime oh, like in this last summer or maybe early fall, I, I said, you know, I, I have, I had done the show a couple times already. So they, you know, knew that I would show up red, you know, <laughs> you know, that I would yeah. do a good job, I guess. <laughs> and so they were, I, I said, you know, I have this Christmas bit I really want to do on the show. And so they booked me for the Christmas special. And then so I was like, Oh shit, I have to figure this out. And I was putting it off and putting it off. And then finally, like I was on tour this past November and I was like doing like, I think it was like 10 shows in Scotland, England. And then I didn't think I had one in, Berlin. I don't know. It was like a dozen shows. So like yeah. there's one in Berlin and I just made myself do it every night, even though like it was just like a mess and I was just kind of figuring it out, but it was like kind of the fun of it was like, you know, talking to the other community. I was doing this show, uh, in Glasgow at the stand in Glasgow, which is probably the greatest comedy club on earth. And just the vibes are so, and Glasgow is such a great city and this, the vibes were so fun. And the other comedians were like super like kind of encouraging me to like, Oh, keep working on that Christmas thing. <laughs> just keep doing it every night. So I just kept doing it. And, you know, sometimes some things work and then I don't know. I, 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 and then you eventually, and I, and then I just kind of made myself, but it changed like up until like the day before I did it on live from here. I was doing it on actually Wesley Stays' Cabinet of Wonders with, um, you know, those musicians. Yeah. And, um, and then even then you go like, well, the next day I'm doing it in, in, uh, in um at town hall in new york and i'd changed it even again and i think i got it right we'll see yeah. but we'll see you know i uh i love i love that concept uh kind of with some of the christmas stuff one of the things uh when i, I used to live in minneapolis and uh we'd help run an independent oh, theater nice. company mm -hmm. and, and uh because we didn't have our own home spot we'd have to play different different theaters and uh but, around the holidays we would do um 
David Sedaris's Sandland Diaries. But because oh, yeah. we were doing the, the same thing over and over, uh, we had fr uh, musician friends that would assemble as the uh, Misfit Toys was the name of their band. And they would do like these horrific, like anti-Christmas songs, like about, you know, coming home and, and uh, a man coming home and finding uh, Santa having sex with his wife or, you know, just these really, really dark things. And that was, we were trying to like you know, keep, keep up some novelty. And I guess that's where I'm really interested in your ability to balance musicians get paid to do the same thing over and over. I mean, they put new stuff, but like musicians will play the same song and people will be happy, but then you, you have to keep on the, the joke side, you have to keep creating new jokes. How do you keep those yeah. kind of two worlds in balance? Um, I guess, I don't know, just the pressure of, having to do it. I mean, right now I'm kind of freaking out because as we're talking, I'm remembering like, Oh shit, I guess I did start writing some new jokes before the pandemic that I was like working on. And now I can't remember. I'll have to look on my phone to see what they were. Uh, Cause I just, the idea of performing has just so gone out of my head yeah you know even though i'm doing these zoom shows all the time but right. they're so it's such a weird format that it's not what i think of in terms of performing plus i you know i my performance in i think in subtle ways is kind of physical so it's weird to see to like sit like to, to be to do a show right. sitting here like i'm sitting right now and and plus i'm you know I'm not really one to talk about the pandemic in the same way that none of my stuff is really like about, you know, what's going on in the news or what's going on in the world. It's more just whatever stupid thing I get sort of fixated on. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. I, I'm sort of like panicked because I have a new album out, which has like a lot of, you know, and I don't have a whole lot ready to go, uh, you know, beyond that. Um, but it'll happen, you know, I have mm. shows in the fall, who knows if they'll happen or not. But, you know, part of the thing with like doing comedy was that I would just book, I, when I started, I'd have shows and I would be like, oh shit, I better figure out what I'm going to say because at the time i didn't i didn't know that you could do the same thing over and over so i was yeah. writing like a madman because i was just <laughs> like because i thought like well wait what if someone saw me before i can't do the same thing again i kind of wish that i had a little more of that in me now because then i would be more prolific or whatever but um and then on the flip side of with music i don't know i guess with comedy, I kind of look at it as more like it's just whatever comes out. Uh, and then I, you know, hope, you know, hopefully we'll articulate it to the audience in, in the same way that it originally was amusing to me. And then with, um, with music, I just kind of like, I kind of write music in, in terms of, I just imagine like fan bands that don't exist. And I kind of write music for <laughs> fictional, fictional bands basically. And I, or a scenario that I want to see, you know, I imagine 
I'll imagine like some scenario where a song is playing and then I write the song for that scenario. That's kind of how I write music for better or for worse. And, you know, I've probably written some decent songs and a lot of crap and um, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I uh, and also just another thing I, I appreciate about your creativity is on the music side is uh, the different styles of music you were able to pull off. Uh, and so folks that might not know, right, you have uh, and and you'll have to pardon me in advance if I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to get the the flavor of metal correct. Is it is it death metal or is it black metal for which team? Oh, you've made the hor- crucial horrible mistake right out of the gate. You know what drives me crazy, Matthias Backwards? What, Lance, the king of black metal, and about 500 other things most people can't handle? There are some people out there who don't even know the difference between black metal and death metal. What? Black metal is the music of the gods. But, well, ostensibly, Witch Taint is 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 the most extremely extreme Norwegian black metal band from Gary, Indiana, ever, probably. But it's, it's, you know, and it's just, if anyone wants to go to, like, the origin of it, it's go to the blackmetaldialogues.com. It just started off this stupid thing that I just did to entertain myself where I was pretending to be a teenager called Lance with a band called Witch Taint. And I was writing a real guy with a, in Norway with a record label telling him he, he should sign my black metal band, even though I hadn't written any songs. And so those emails were around for a while. And then, you know, my buddy Phil, who is, you know, my partner in the, in the whole thing now, um, and he's the main, you know, I sing a bit in the band, but he's the, you know, I'd say lead singer. Okay. And uh, he was always like, you know, we should make Witch Tain a real band. Let you should, we should really do it. And for, I mean, for years, because the original emails go back to 2004 and five. So a long time ago. And then, but I couldn't figure out how to, what the music would sound like. Because, you know, Norwegian black metal or any black metal is so extreme. It's not really uh, listenable for the average music fan. It's pretty intense stuff. Um, and you kind of need to I was talking with my sister about this earlier today. It's sort of music where you need like a gateway to get you to where you can really listen. And you might never appreciate that music, yeah. but in the way that like... You know, you have to hear, like, you know, John Coltrane before, and, you know, before you get, you know, then you go to Miles Davis, maybe, and then you wind up, like, and, you know, more, like, experimental, you know, John Zorn or whatever. You can't start at John Zorn. Right, right. You know, I mean, maybe some people could, but anyway, I'm sort of totally not answering your question. So anyway... My point is, uh, eventually, we decided that I just had it in my head, like, for Witch Taint to actually work, it should just be fun party metal. And so the songs are kind of all written with the idea of just, I imagine, you know, we try to imagine, like, a bunch of Vikings drinking in a beer hall, and these are the songs they're all singing. (laughs) together and that's that's kind of what the music is and it's so it's kind of like quasi satanic 
uh, like if you were going to put on Back in Black or, you know, any, any of the ACDC albums before Back in Black. Um, and just like, it's like heavy metal parking lot, good time. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, so, but it's kind of cool because metalheads like it, but then, you know, I think people that just like to have fun enjoy it. And that's, so it took a while to kind of figure that, that that's what it should be. Because obviously if we had like written like actual black metal songs, it would be like enjoyable to not, not that many people. <laughs> well, I, what I appreciate too is all, all the elements that you have around Witch Taint uh, from like the, the, the name, the t-shirts, the delivery, but it was, it was fairly new to me until I was introduced to that, that email thread that, it, and, and I don't mean this in a mean, but it almost it felt like you were trolling the record label there. Yeah. I mean, I guess in retrospect I was, but I mean, it was, because I mean, it was done at a time really what, you know, it was, you know, cause it started in like really like 2002 and three is when I was started this, thing and then it was in 2004 when I started emailing the record label because I had before that just emailed random bands in Scandinavia and told them they were pussies and stuff and it would peter out but then in 2004 I kind of had the idea to do this and it just it I got this guy sort of on the hook but at the time it was like you know black metal now is you know I feel like pretty in the cultural zeitgeist and things like that. But at the time it really wasn't, you right. know, it was like, so I didn't, I genuinely didn't do it to entertain anybody but myself. Cause I thought who could possibly even know what I was talking about aside from who other people into black metal. And I only knew like two pe other people who were into black metal. And so I would send the emails to them, my buddy, John Kimbrough, and then my butt in New York and then my buddy David Jaffrey in LA and I would send the emails to the two of them. And um, anyway, but, and then, then uh, another friend, Jeff Watson ended up once the emails had run their course, he built the website that is still, you know, the, the black metal dialogue yep. that's out there today. And, um, and, but I think the thing with the emails is, is that they aren't, I'm trolling the guy. I guess, but it's the joke of the emails isn't like, look at this dumb shit that I keep emailing and he responds. It's, right. Yeah. No, I think I, it's more his compassion for being like that he's being patient with what he assumes is this dipshit of a kid <laughs> who won't stop <laughs> emailing him. So like, yeah, I think because of that is why I was okay with the emails. Okay being released, you know, being, being put on the internet yeah. because I don't think he comes off bad. He comes out actually yeah. as a very kind, good guy. Um, if yeah, if I, maybe a little serious about black metal. No. And I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that, that clarification. Cause I, I was, I was struggling to find the right word, but, um, and, and the name of the band is escaping me right now, but I, I just love the idea that you asked if there were two bands. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Because, yeah. yeah. So opposite, kind of maybe not opposite end of the spectrum, but then you, you're doing Power Pop with Valley Lodge. Mm -hmm. And uh, is, it, is that kind of the same, same thing, imaginary scenario where somebody needs some, some good Power Pop in their life? 
Pretty much. I mean, I think like for that, yeah, it was basically like I was writing some song that's band started again with my buddy john john kimbrough who had one of the greatest bands of all time walt mink from from minneapolis yep. actually they yep. went to McAllister, yeah. and he was a buddy of mine still is a buddy of mine of course um and we both had some songs and so the thing you know we were like oh let's make a record but yeah i think the thinking was like let's do you remember do you ever remember that episode of the Flintstones where they're this like British invasion band comes to town called the way outs and everyone's yeah. freaking out that it's in sort of the, the later, you know, when there was kazoo kazoo, the great kazoo, right. like when the show had like jumped the shark, as people used to say, they like was kind of like on its way out, but they had this episode with the way outs. And so, I, I always uh, imagined it to be basically like the way outs uh, and like this just made up band and that we would write songs for. And it's still that really like I'm imagining because obviously we're like, you know, middle aged, the, you know, the lined up lineup has kind of changed over the years and John really hasn't been a part of it in a couple records now, but um uh, and he has a great band now called Teen Judge. And we always, you know, hopefully one day we'll make another record together. But anyway, yeah, the idea is to is to just kind of have fun. And I guess it's different from comedy in that regard. And that comedy is kind of, I think, really me or, you know, coming just like I'm not really thinking about any other comedian or whatever when i'm working on comedy i'm not thinking like oh how would andy kaufman do this or whatever you know bobcat goldthwaite or any other heroes of mine i'm not thinking consciously but with music i tend to go like wait let's run that through what would the beatles do here like or whatever you kind of like yeah i'm coming from it more of a place as like a fan just making music and then you know, I have this other band, Painted Doll, that I do with my buddy Chris Reifert. And I mean, that's another example where it's like Chris is a death, well, getting back to death metal. He is like a death metal led, you know, he's like the Barbara Streisand of death metal, basically. You know, all over the world, he's like one of the kings, you know, having been in death and now autopsy and then abscess and autopsy again. Um, but with us, like we became friends and we started trading a lot of like sixties and seventies. We would kind of just like try to out obscure each other, like with old psych records where you're like, I bet you haven't heard this and you, you know, it will be like whatever <laughs> band, you know, and we just kept trying to like one up each other to be like, check this out, check this out. And then finally he's like, Hey, you know, well, he would he would come to he and his wife nancy would come to see my comedy shows this is how i keep getting into bands actually because i keep <laughs> playing guitar in my comedy shows and then so they chris heard me play guitar and he's like oh you can actually play like why don't we form a band and just have it be inspired by you know 
this music we've been trading. So that was like the same sort of thing where we just kind of set the parameters. Like, okay, we're just going to like, you know, be inspired by shocking blue and, uh, you know, the virgin prunes, if I'm getting that right. Uh, And on and on and, and like, you know, to, and so, and then we did that, and you know, we have another record. Without that record, I'm the genius that will have managed to release three records in 2020, which is it's dumb to release a record in 2020, as we're learning. But this, right. my third, I've released two in April, <laughs> which changed them a comedy album, and then now I have the new painted doll. It's supposed to be out in September, but my, you know, like, uh, but and I'm like scrambling finish the artwork right now but um are you doing the artwork yourself yeah i draw like all this stuff for yeah. us and in in valley lodge i do those covers and you know and i do i do, I do a lot of the witch chain stuff but obviously like there's so many great artists witch chain is really like the band where it's fun to like see what you know someone like joe tate who did right. amazing shirt and then like you know, uh, Tim Lehigh did the cover, which is amazing, I think. And, you know, and now that the record's out, like, it's going all over the world. And, like, a, you know, this guy, Bayou, if I'm saying it right, did this guy in Indonesia, did a shirt. That's amazing. And, you know, so it's kind of like uh, watching these, like, seriously amazing artists, like, do create satanic t-shirts is really fun <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah i'm doing the painted doll art myself and i do i do i do most of the witch taint art as well but it's fun to hand it off to someone who's actually skilled <laughs> but um were you a fan or, of husker do oh my god yeah they're one of my favorite groups of all yeah. time because grant did all the artwork for the husker do covers yeah fake name graphics right yeah, yeah. I, uh, side, side, I was lucky enough to meet him down here in Iowa City uh, a oh, couple wow. of years ago before, before he was going to play a show and I was eating dinner with my wife. Mm-hmm. Some walked by and excused myself, ran out and we started started talking and then realized that the conversation had gone on pretty long that I had to run back in and let my, uh, you know, because I said, I, I just left my wife at dinner and he said, oh, that's, that's cool. I'll walk in. And he, he comes in, he's eating an ice cream cone, sat down, ate an ice cream cone while we were eating dinner and uh, oh wow! Found found out that my wife speaks French. They started talking to each other in in French, and and then it was I was I got to dig deep on some questions I had about Husker Du on certain questions because I lived in the same neighborhood where they they hung out, just you know different eras. But it was he was such a such a sweet man. It was so it was so great to meet him and hang out. And then at one point he just said he he had to, he excused himself. That he had to go to sound check, so that was my my Grant Hart experience. That he uh, oh nice walked in with an ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, that whole band. I, I'm a huge, huge fan. I never. Yeah. I don't think I ever met him. I I know uh, Bob Mould a little bit, but and see him, uh, see him at a pretty. You know, whenever he comes through New York and things. I mean, yeah. I go I go to the shows. I don't. We don't. We don't right. grab grab brunch or anything. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was supposed a, to. Sorry, he was supposed to be here uh, a couple of months ago to play the mill. Uh, I don't, have you played in Iowa City? I have not. I would like to. 
Got to get uh, uh, Neil Hamburger is a huge fan of of the mill. It, uh, it's a great room, so if you get a chance. Oh, nice. Well, I'm a huge fan of Neil Hamburger. He's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, also, quite the gentleman off stage. Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started. I mean, uh, I'm assuming you're referring to Greg. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Greg Turkington is is an awesome, sweet guy. And um, it's so funny, like, because I've done, you know, his shows in L.A. And I, I never know, like, do people know that that's him walking around when it's just Greg? And he just kind of skulks around the show and you would never be like, oh, that's Neil Hamburger. Right. And then, then the transformation is such, like, the first, I think I've done a couple of those shows, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, the first time I was in a room with him when he was Neil Hamburger, I was like genuinely afraid to approach him. <laughs> Even though I know I just was talking to Greg, but when the transformation happens, you're like, Oh my God, I'm afraid of this man. And then, and, and I, I genuinely, I, I almost never asked to get my picture with anybody, but um, Neil Hamburger, I had to, cause he's such like, he's really the king i mean of uh he's kind of like might be the greatest comedian of all time in many ways because his his act is making fun of the idea of doing comedy in the first place which is kind right. of is so funny because it's like how does anyone do comedy after he's just done what he does i love it oh my anyway i digress no anyway, no that's great that's great. So, I, but same thing. I, so I got to meet him. I, I, I recognized him before he went into costume uh, before the show, but after he, he didn't get out of costume, but he was hanging out with people. And I, that was, for me, it was so shocking that it, just a, a true gentleman uh, talking to people. And, and I, I asked him why he was playing Iowa city. So this is my plug for the mill for you is uh, he said, it's like a warm room that gives you a hug. And he, he, he claims oh. that, He's t he told Todd Berry that Todd Berry has to play the mill and Todd's been out here. So maybe, maybe we can get you post pandemic. Bring Joe Tate. We'll, uh, we'll go have some beers in downtown Iowa city. I, I would, I'm all over it. I mean, Todd, <laughs> Todd's a good buddy of mine. So any, uh, anything that's both Neil, Neil, Greg and Todd approved. I'm, I'm sure I would love. There you go. And and it's you're a man of letters. It's a UNESCO city of literature. I know. I mean, I think I'd be a little intimidated. I mean, I think <laughs> you know, with anything that I do, I kind of think that I'm a fraud and a failure. And so, like, uh, you know, being in Iowa City, I'd be like, oh man, there's like serious people are really getting down to it with writing, and you know. But I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we'll keep this on your uh, radar for the future. And unfortunately, this was canceled also during pandemic. We have a week festival here called Mission Creek, and it's a blend of music and literature festival. Um, that oh, is, nice. It's, it's usually five to seven days. And uh, there's, you know, from poetry to lit walks to authors, but all kinds of fantastic music in town, too. Oh, that sounds so, delightful. A couple, uh, a couple of Canada questions for you, because I, oh, I, I, I loved your journey going back. Oh, and thank you. 
prior prior to I think one of the reasons it spoke to me was I've described myself to people as spiritually Canadian. Uh, mm. I had relatives uh, come from Quebec and from Ontario, um, but oh, so you're actually Canadian? Well, they were. I think I, I think they were on the run from France and and Ireland, and aren't we all? <laughs> kind of set up camp there uh Mm -hmm. but yeah and and a really close friend of mine lives in montreal and i I go there frequently to to visit um oh nice but one of the things i absolutely adored about uh your description of canada and canadians was the at the hockey hall of fame the uh the the picture with the stanley cup where (laughs) they charge you but the photographer will hold your iphone for you and take a picture for free as being like completely canadian Oh, and yeah. it's happened to me, and I just like oh, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like they basically just undercut themselves, right. like right then, then and there. Uh, or maybe I don't know. Maybe, may, who knows? Maybe I don't know if he would have done it had I not already purchased the picture. I forget no, how. I've, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I took. A, I had a, a friend with me last time I was there. It was uh, last summer got his picture with the cup and it was the, the, the photographer actually just said, Hey, if you guys just want to use your iPhone, you can just step in and do that right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it is kind of <laughs> like, what do you do with a printout? You got to go to the gift shop and get a printout. No, but I mean, I'm wearing, I love the hockey hall of fame. I'm wearing right now. Uh, what am I wearing? My Gordy house socks. I, sh- I can oh, show right on. You can see them. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, bought, at, bought at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I got like, I think I bought online. I found like Bobby Clark socks and then I had a bunch of, no, 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 no. This is how it started. I bought Lanny McDonald socks at uh, the Saddle Dome in Calgary and then found out that there were other, you know, hockey player socks. So I have like, I have, this is the best one as I got Guy Lafleur socks and I put, I posted, I think I was with, might've been with Joe Tate. No, no. I got Guy Lafleur socks in Toronto at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And by this time I had been to the Hockey Hall of Fame like 7 million times. So I didn't, I didn't even go into the museum. I just went to the gift shop. Cause I was staying right by there and I, I go to the hockey hall of fame and I got the socks and I put them on and I po- I posted them on Instagram, my Gila floor socks. And I did like hashtag Gila floor. And then I see like some guy, Marty LaFleur has commented on them and I go to his Instagram and it's like all like some guy and then every like fifth picture is hockey legend Guy Lafleur now in the 60s or however old he is with like a five-year-old you know a young presumably I guess his granddaughter so I wrote to this guy I'm like hey are you Guy Lafleur your dad and he's like yeah and so I was like well you know I wrote this book and he's mentioned maybe more than anyone with the exception of Randy Bachman. And, uh, you know, so can I send it to you? 
So I sent him a couple copies of the book. So Guy Lafleur, I don't know if he's read the book, but he at least was mailed the book. That's great. That's great. Who's your team uh, growing up or who's your team now? I don't, I mean, I kind of, I guess as a kid, I was really into, you know, because Cleveland, we really didn't have. Right. That's why I was trying to figure out like geographically who Cleveland roots for. I, well, you know, people always think that you're going to root for, if you're from Cleveland, you'll maybe now you would be into Columbus, but anyone that would think that doesn't know anything about how Ohio works because Ohio <laughs> hates its own, like, you know, Cleveland hates Cincinnati, Columbus, every other area maybe is aligned with Akron a little bit because we're kind of the same area. So there's no real Akron hatred that I'm aware of. Um, but you basically are like the Columbus, the Blue Jackets, you'd be, it'd be the last team that I would root for. But that's just presently. Um, so growing up, I was really into like the Oilers because it was like when it was oh, like right. Gretzky and Yari Curry and Paul Cossie. Messier. And, and, yeah. Messier, of course. I met Mark Messier when I was – 12 and then again when i was like 24 which seems like a, an amazing amount of time now as i'm older i'm like oh that was like six weeks later but uh <laughs> at the time when i met him again when i was 24 i was like i met him at a party and i was like i met you outside of the civic arena in pittsburgh you signed my program and uh and then, so yeah, I drunkenly told him that 12 <laughs> years later. But, um, so Did yeah, he remember you? He remembered absolutely. No, uh, it was like, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. So now I, I guess, you know, if there were a season happening, I, right. I guess I just kind of, I'm just more of a lover of the game and I'm also really cynical yeah. towards pro sports. Um, and how, so it's hard for me to really take any team that seriously. So I, I like the Rangers because I, they play up the street from my apartment, basically. I mean, a long ways away, 30 blocks away, but, um, so them and, and then I go like original six and expand from there. Then I go original 12. And once you get past original 12, I start to be like, once you get into like, and any team that plays where ice doesn't naturally occur, right. I have no interest, with the exception of the LA Kings. I, I have a soft spot for them. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine uh, used to play in the Canadian Juniors. Uh, he was in Victoria. And, oh, nice. uh, Beautiful city. The, and then he played, he played college hockey at uh, Michigan State and was drafted by the Red Wings. And oh his, so when you mentioned Paul Coffey, my Paul Co- it, the C- Paul Coffey story that was shared with me was uh, my buddy was staring at Paul Coffey because he came out, no tape on his stick, no tape when he came out for practice. And then, so then my buddy says, that's how you knew he, something's off with Paul Coffey. And then he just skated up to my buddy, looked and punched him in the throat and skated off. <laughs> oh, Wow. Paul Bruce, I, uh, I didn't know he was such a bruiser. That's amazing. You got the uh, the Gordy Howe socks. He said one of the nicest guys he's ever met was he got to skate with uh, Mark Howe because uh, Mark was still with the Red Wings when he was drafted. 
Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that about the the Howe brothers. But I also like Gordy Howe. I read his. I read Bobby Orr's book, which I think is just called Orr, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Yeah. But I I read I read his book, and I thought it was really good. Um, and then I read it like I was like flying to L.A. or some some I was flying somewhere where you could read a book pretty much on the flight. And I, so I think that was flying to LA. And then, so wherever I was flying back, back from, then they had the Gordie Howe book. And I was like, there's no way that Gordie Howe's book can be as good as Bobby Orr's book because Bobby Orr's book was so good. And then Gordie Howe's book was even better. It was like such, and it's just like the stories of like how he would just like, punch someone for no reason just to like create more room for himself on the ice and like <laughs> he came from like an era where there was still like chain link fence right and like you know so the fans would like hit the fence to, and like punch you when you were in the corner and he's like would talk about like threading his stick through the <laughs> fence to like like hit <laughs> Uh, guys in the face. It's just of such endlessly wonderful stuff. Oh, that's nice cute trick shirt, by the way. Thank One you. Yeah, bands. yeah I, gr- I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, oh, no way. Yeah. Hometown. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of nice guys, uh, anytime, anytime you meet anybody from Cheap Trick in Rock, they're, they're sweethearts as well, especially uh, Bunny Carlos. Oh yeah, I met him once. He was a delight. Uh, He's the only member I've ever, ever met, I think. Yeah, and it's it. When I was a kid, it was interesting because my brother and I played football on some teams that, like Rick Nielsen's kids would play. So you would you would see like Rick Nielsen on the sideline at a youth football game, right? Just, oh, nice. Just like anybody, but it was always, it was always interesting that like. He he still dressed with you know his, the crazy sweaters from the seventies eighties and the hat, but just an honest you know just just there as a, a parent and a fan i like it yeah i my buddy jason actually who plays bass in bob mold's band his buddies with him says he's an absolute delight uh, jason or yeah yeah right now, yeah i think i think he was supposed to be at the the bob mold there was a bob mold show that was canceled oh yeah he was at the he mold, was supposed so. to open that one i think he was yeah he was gonna open part of that tour yeah, I hope they, they can make it back. Uh, one short story to share with you before we go. Hopefully you'll appreciate it rather than bore you. Uh, so a couple years ago, this was 2012, uh, my mm-hmm. dad won a second chance lottery from the Illinois State Lottery. And the, the prize was uh, for two people to fly with the Blackhawks to an away game, stay at the team hotel, uh, hang out oh, during wow. morning skate, and then go to the game. And my dad couldn't couldn't pick between... I have a brother. He couldn't pick between the two sons. So he gifted the trip to my brother and I. So we got to fly with the Blackhawks out to uh, uh, New York to see him play uh, uh, N- Nassau Coliseum, which was. Oh, the Islanders. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a fan- fantastic, fantastic trip. And uh, got to got to talk a lot with Troy Murray because he's the uh, color guy on radio for the Blackhawks. And Oh, nice. And yeah. uh, then the they put us up in a box uh, a suite uh like i think it's probably like a gentleman's agreement like between you know 
traveling guests, but so we were in a suite at, um, at the Nassau Coliseum. So two things that I think you might appreciate is, you know, they have Billy Joel banners hanging from the rafters there or did. Oh, it was t- <laughs> one we can only assume. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the other was I got to meet Mike Bossy. He just <gasps> like came into our suite, shook hands, said hi, chatted for a while, and then was, was on his way. It was, I think I blacked out, but it was, it was magical as he just <laughs> walked oh, away. Yeah, he's, I, was, I was a big fan of the Islanders during the, the Mike Bossy era as well. Because my cousins lived on Long Island, so I felt like, oh, that's their. That was plus they were awesome. So I, was, I yeah. actually, I met Brian Trottier once. <laughs> awesome. He lived down the street from my cousins, and we so we went and just like stood in front of his house until he came out. And uh, <laughs> so I met him. It was a delight. I forget how old I was. Like I don't know, kid of some sort. One, one of my, uh, my friend who played uh, hockey in Canada, so see how this squares with your research. Uh, one of the times I asked him about Canada's impressions, and he said that at the time, Canadians tend to love three things, and it was uh, strippers, donuts, and cigarettes. And a little bit later, I was walking in Montreal with a friend, and I saw a stripper taking a break outside of a, a gentleman's club. <laughs> smoking and eating a donut and i i wish i could have taken a picture of that it was like the, that was the trifecta oh wow Just, what, what there's like a oh peeler bar i read um who's the guy uh sean avery i read his book and he talks yeah. about peeler bars and so <laughs> i didn't know what that meant and I, I don't. Was, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's it's like a strip a strip club, like peeler, like okay. you peel off your All clothes. Right. So like, but I I had to call like I think my friend Niels told me he's Canadian. I didn't know what they <laughs> yep. were talking about. <laughs> Dave, uh, I got a, one last question for. I, I really pre- it's it's been an honor to meet with you, and I, I really oh, appreciate all your I'm, stories. Uh, I'm honored. I w- between the shirt and the hat. <laughs> and Joe Tate. I mean, we got to hang out. It's all you're ticking. It's like you're fu- you fully vetted yourself without even realizing it. Unless you've, unless you strategically got that hat and shirt to like, uh, I get on my uh, good side. No, uh, <laughs> honestly, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm Blackhawks fan at heart. Original six. I, I, I love original six. Your comment about the 12, though, kind of rings true. And uh, for me, I have a similar hat for the Whalers. I also have a green and blue Hartford Whalers with maybe maybe one of the best sports logos ever. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of Nordiques, I, I didn't know until, until it was through one of your venues. It was either the book around. It's an igloo <laughs> holding a hockey stick. Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's so absurd. And I, then I asked one of my, my wife, since she speaks French, I'm like, what does Nordiques translate to? And she's like, just, it's roughly North guys. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, but yeah, I mean, it is a great, I actually have, I don't know where it is right now. I was wearing it earlier, a Nordiques winter hat uh, that I was wearing out this morning with the dog. And then, I have a Nordiques jersey. I'm, I generally don't like to wear jerseys with anyone's name on them. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I think it's weird. 
But um, even my own name, I wouldn't put on a jersey <laughs> unless I were actually on that team. Um, but I have a Peter Stastny jersey, uh, Nordiques jersey, and then I have a Gordie Howe Whalers jersey. So uh, that's awesome. That's that's awesome. And uh, but I don't I I don't have either one of them with me in my pandemic bunker. Just a bit <laughs> so, sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, one other. Uh, speaking of your dog Lucy, she's mm-hmm. part of Pitbull, right? Yes. Because I'll throw I'll throw this. We we have a dog named Bowie, and he is a Pitbull Jack Russell Terrier mix. Oh as you wow! Can imagine something so funny and beautiful at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Probably like a, a low. So you have short legs and a lot so of so short. So short, yeah. He's like this this squat muscle dude, and uh, his attitude is very much just the super loving side of pits, where he gets super excited when you come home. We'll like run a lap around the house, and then like basically plop up next to you and try to fall asleep. Oh, he but he's a sweetheart, delightful. His name was Tigor when we rescued him, and we we had to shift the gears on that one. Yeah, you got to nix that. I agree. <laughs> Any any advice for young creatives out there? Uh, the the wonderful life that you've lived, all the talents that you have, that you've cultivated, worked over time. And I kind of steal from Austin Kleon on this one, but in his book, Steal Like an Artist, he says, when you give advice, you're kind of giving advice to your younger, your younger self. Is there anything that, yeah. any advice that you would give to young creatives? Well, I kind of always say like, uh, work hard, have fun entertain yourself and be like a hero to your 15 year old self because uh you know that's sort of that age where you kind of recognize what's authentic and what's not and you that's what you want to be is authentic and you also don't want to really give a fuck what anyone else thinks right but you so you should you know kind of just do whatever you want and and work hard at it and don't give a shit about and all but also be kind that's probably the most important thing but all those things be kind work hard have fun entertain yourself and be a hero to your 15 year old self that would be (laughs) what i would say awesome dave thanks so much uh before we go uh any any plugs for where folks get there's so many different things you have you have the books you have the albums yeah, I would say get my book, Parking the Moose, uh, which is coming out in paperback. It was, the hardcover's already out, but the paperback is out next month. And then or you can get any of my, any of my books. Um, and then The Pride of Cleveland is out now. All, it's only digital, so it's wherever, you know, yeah. stream it, download it, illegally download it, whatever you want to do. Um, and get the Witch Chain album for many forms of entertainment. And then, you know, we can Valley Lodge, Painted Doll, and then, um, uh, you know, whatever. Just Google me and whatever comes up, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> are you, and are you, uh, are you a, a go on the uh, reboot of the, uh, the goddamn Dave Hill show? Uh, we're going to do it. I mean, the idea is to just do it during the pandemic or, you know, during the lockdown or yeah, but during this weird whatever we're in. Uh, I don't really foresee doing it beyond that. 
unless it becomes unless there becomes some reason to do it. I mean, I'm definitely busy enough that I'm not looking to like yeah. fill in my calendar more, but we just thought kind of thought it would be a fun thing to do since we're all kind of uh stuck at home or stuck in some compromised version of yeah. life as we know it. So we'll do it, you know. We'll do it. Yeah, we're going to do it Monday, see how it goes and then I guess all take right. it take it week to week. You know, but yeah, if people, if people want it, we'll do it. I don't think we'll do three hours because it's just too tiring. How how many how many of those calls are 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 people putting on a character, and how many are legit? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I I kind of know when it's a character, and most of them are legit. The vast majority. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thanks again, Dave. I really appreciate it. It was an honor having you here. Yeah, an honor to be here. <laughs>